1: We started, by the way. Oh, okay. I, I like to do a soft rolling. <laughs> I mean, very soft. Right. Like I mean, shoving, as George Burns said, like shoving an oyster in a coin <laughs> slot. Soft. Jesus. It's so descriptive and perfect, and like, oh man, thanks, George Burns. Thanks, Carl Reiner. <laughs> Um, anyway, hi. I'm so happy to be talking to you. I'm talking to uh, H. John Benjamin. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, no, I heard that the H is because uh, Laura Silverman was fucking with you. Is that true? Uh, yes. Well, it is my name. I do have a first name, Harry. Right. Harry. Not Harold Harry?
2: Just Harry. Yeah. Wow. I have two nicknames for names. My parents were- Very casual. Yeah. Too lazy to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, easier on the form, maybe? Um, maybe, maybe. Yeah, so Harry. Harry's my grandfather's name. But you they called you John though, right? They called me John. I don't know what happened with the yeah. with the grandfather.
1: Well, you know, I'm Paul Andrew. Okay. That's my my and so I've been Andy my whole life. So you should why did do, do what I do, just do P. Because I you know, there was no other Andy Richter because it's such a like it just kinda reeks of um generations of dairy abuse so there's like no one would ever try that name andy richter i don't know it sounds like a brand of corn meal you know? although <laughs> paul that. richter i don't know maybe that's better well why know. did they decide to drop i asked my mom once and she's and now she says that she never said this but i know she said this she said well, i like the way paul andrew sounded Mm-hmm. But you're named after my uncle Paul, and I don't like—I didn't really like my uncle Paul, so I didn't want to call you Paul and be reminded of him.
2: <laughs> I think that was probably a similar situation. Although my gr- my yeah, I think it was my mom and dad probably arguing over
1: yeah yeah yeah. Although Harry is a pretty cute little a good name for a cute name for a kid, you know. Yeah, a little kid named Harry. <laughs> yeah, that's me. You know? <laughs>
2: that was so cute. That was so cute. Laura did it maybe not as a joke. I think she just put h. John Benjamin. I don't know why she filled why out. Why did you let her fill out your form? I wasn't good with forms then, still oh, still boy. problematic. Laura still does them for me. <laughs> you know, she has a life
1: of her own. I know, but <laughs> she can't just be filling out forms for you. I, she- I want <laughs> I want to get a frequent buyer card from Ralph's Laura. Can you come over here?
2: I know we haven't dated in 31 years, but can (laughs) you please? (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. She filled in the credit form for Dr. Katz when we were on together. We were dating then. So I don't, yeah. It was a. Yeah, yeah. Bit of a joke, maybe, but you stuck with it. I, I did. I don't know why. You didn't have to, did no, you no. I didn't. I didn't. I don't know why I did. Because uh, now it's just now it's just confusing and problematic with our, you know, yeah, with, uh, passports and
1: licenses and everything I sure. fill out. It does make you seem classy, though. Maybe that—that's the main
2: thing. Maybe it was uh, right, Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan Katz. Speaking of Doctor Katz, used to say it stood for haffectation. <laughs>
1: uh that's a good one yeah <laughs> yeah but you're I mean but you're now you're in a home studio though right do, do you do all your work from home now
2: I'm in a nursing home I i uh... <laughs> <laughs> I wondered why the shirt opened in the back I might have to get washed during this. <laughs>
1: that's all right. Yeah, that's all
2: right. Oh, I did this sort of yeah. This came out of the pandemic. The where yeah, where everybody the government gave everybody a home studio. <laughs> <laughs> I, rec- I actually <laughs> recorded two hundred dollars and, and a and a podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I recorded uh, for Bob, Bob's Burgers just recently. Oh, okay. And and uh, I had to go to a studio here in town. And Kristen was on the other end from home, and she's like, don't you have your own home studio now? <laughs> and I was like, no. I got a microphone. I plug it into my computer, but right, all the no, v- <laughs> I, don't, I don't
2: have my home studio. But you have a podcast, so you do it out of your just- yeah. Out of my bedroom,
1: basically. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. in my daughter's room now um, because yeah. the, cleaning, <laughs> the cleaning person is here, so I- <laughs> <laughs> i was like if i want my bathroom cleaned i have to come do the podcast in here in my daughter's room
2: things have come a long way i mean they used to do uh they used to do dr Katz uh from a kitchen pantry oh really yeah it was totally like a podcast back then yeah they didn't have a studio that so, is kind of fun though you know it was fun i thought it was a fake show for like six months i didn't yeah because i was like I, that was my first job and i couldn't
1: imagine this was for real I felt like the Conan show was a fake job for a while. Like, for the first six months. I know, but I still, I would do it every day. But then if I was out and it was on, like, on a TV above a bar, I'd be like, nah, what the fuck am I doing up there?
2: Right, that's true. That's still still a bit of a shock. But when you're... When you're doing an animated show out of an old man's kitchen, you don't really know him that well <laughs> you start to wonder if this was real and who's
1: completely unrelated to the
2: yeah. to the pro- pro- production <laughs> right Wait, so I pay you for this
1: <laughs> all right
2: uh, yeah. you, you don't speak any English 600. really
1: okay here you go I,
2: saw, I thought it was six hundred dollars a week for me, but it's for you okay, right <laughs>
1: well now you are original you know this I got you know i gotta I got an interview you know as okay. much as I'd like to just. Chew the fat with you. and Yep, that's what we do. Ask about, you know, how many, I don't how many want to procedures. Fall, I, I don't want to fall into our old habits. It, I know. Yeah. Uh, just lots of invective <laughs> uh, <laughs> laughter, but lots of tears too. Yep. <laughs> yep, we like it salty and sweet. <laughs> um, no, but you're originally from New England. You're from M- Massachusetts. Yep, Central Mass, Worcester Mass. Worcester. And Worcester's a tough town, right? Worcester was a tough town, yeah.
2: Yeah. A little, it it was a depressed city, I would say. That's how, that's its motto.
1: Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to Worcester, a depressed city. Right. Well, were you you aware of that as a kid? Did it seem like a depressed town to you? A little bit. Uh, I mean, my family was
2: solidly middle class, upper middle class, but we lived on the... Cusp of a very working class neighborhood, and I, my elementary school was, like, very working class Irish Catholic. Yeah. So yeah, I was aware of it,
1: uh, all, all the time. Yeah, but I was I could just silently judge it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, they only occasion they only <laughs> occasionally threw mud on your sailor suits.
2: <laughs> well, I was like a, you know, I, I don't know. the The best example would be, uh, I was Jewish in a predominantly Irish Catholic uh, elementary school, and went to Hebrew school. So the Hebrew bus would pick me up, and that was the worst. Oh, you know, really? that, that was like, yeah,
1: you didn't want anybody to know. Was there outright anti-Semitism or just sort of
2: not that like Catholic
1: not, mild kind? Yeah, mild, the mild. understood kind.
2: Yeah, a lot of yelling at me, but never, <laughs> <laughs> never. I was specifically <laughs> about your religion. A lot of jokes, and yeah, maybe a bit of pushing around. Right, right. But not like back... My father grew up there, and I think it was a lot more physical abuse. (laughs) Right, right. Like difficult to walk home, you know.
1: Yeah. You you, You know, I remember I had a teacher who grew up in... Oak Park, or oh yeah, Oak Park, which is a nice yeah yeah old neighborhood of Chicago, and is that was, where the Frank Lloyd Wright? Uh, yeah, the yeah yeah, exa- there's a there's a few different Frank Lloyd Wright houses in there. Yeah, but he grew up there, and he said like when he was like twelve, Irish cops would shake him down. He and his friends, <laughs> they would pull over and they'd be like, "You you are you boys Jews?" They'd be like, "No," and they're like, "Yeah, you are. What's your name?" And then they'd be like they would uh, he would he swore they would extort them based on what their parents did oh okay what's your dad doing if his dad was a doctor he'd they'd ask for him for but like old grown men shaking down 12 year old boys and i believe him you know yeah probably true it's a fun world right just
2: gets better um (laughs) i like the sliding scale though you know i know exactly like doctor, give me like the hundred dollars. Right, right. But I mean, he's not bricklayer. Granted,
1: he's <laughs> he's stealing, but he's not unreasonable. Right. I
2: never, I never, I never had a run-in with a Worcester cop. I don't think. But, oh, you didn't? No. What kind of kid were you growing up? Jewish. No, uh, I was a wise ass. I think yeah. you know, and I, I didn't. That probably was where I developed my humor a lot. I did get made fun of a lot for being little. Yeah. And. And Jewish. Uh, yeah. So those two things combined, that was formative years, you know, uh, elementary school years. Right. Where I think I, you know, developed that as a defense. Yeah. And I'm not, honestly, it was a bit of mimicry. I mean, I'm, you know, you, when, when I'm getting made fun of a lot, I've, you know, I sort of I've learned to do it to
1: them, you know, from them. Like, they were forced. Oh, that was... <laughs> yeah. You're like, I better learn... I, I'm i apparently in this game. I better learn how to play it. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If I can't just walk away. Right. I also think, too, when you... Part of smart-assery uh, is not just a defense mechanism to sort of, you know, throw your bullies off by making them laugh. Mm-hmm. I think there's also, like, this... I got to fucking... There's my dignity involved here, so I have to make fun of these fucking idiots, you know, just so that I can feel like, yeah, but look at them. Jesus Christ, what morons. Yeah, a little bit. You know what I mean? It was, yes, Uh, probably. It was probably
2: a little mix of, yes, it's one, it's a way to retaliate, uh, I I guess. But also at the same time, as a way to ingratiate yourself yep. to them yeah there's a stockholm syndrome i guess a little mm-hmm. bit yeah and i do think i sort of tried to develop a more sophisticated version of what they were doing that's probably what right. how how it how it worked out for me yeah yeah
1: <laughs> you got to pay it forward by making it a little <laughs> yeah, make, a little better yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do a better job with the people that you pick on
2: all right you threw a penny
1: at me i have to figure out how to you, yeah uh, I'm going to heat up a nickel with a lighter <laughs> so it will sear your skin when I throw it. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you, I mean, did you know you were going to be in college? Did you think about being a performer a lot when you were young or, you know? Not, no, not at all. Um,
2: yeah. No. I was a bit all over the place in, in high school. I, It's sort of when I went to college where I started to think about being a teacher for a while there was a, a year after college where I entertained becoming a rabbi. Um, really? I went to seminary like night classes at the theological seminary. Up in, when I, I moved to New York for, uh-huh. a, for a bit and took a few classes at seminary. I don't think uh, I ever knew that you know, as
1: long as I've known you. I don't think, have you ever mentioned that or? Um, maybe
2: in a few interviews, like somebody, yeah, a- yeah. somebody asked, uh, but I was, uh, yeah. And then I did go to, I finally ended up in graduate school, which I think was a uh, stalling tactic, for yeah. figuring out what I, um, and then realized pretty quickly in graduate school that I, I couldn't hack it.
1: What was it about being a possible rabbi? that drew you into it?
2: I mean, I think it was from family history. And, um, you know, uh, one side of my family was fairly Jewish practicing. They weren't Orthodox, but they were conservatives. And my family were conservatives. That's a sect of Judaism, which is a little more uh, ritual to it. Mm. I thought you were going to say oomph.
1: That Yiddish oomph. A little more zing. Yeah. (laughs) So was it? But I mean, are you a religious person? Were you a religious person then? No,
2: then? my my family was not particularly religious. We we were more, but there were mem- my father's sisters' family were more religious. Um, so from them, I, I think. I, yeah. Um, but I don't think it was I, that came and went pretty quickly.
1: How did you feel while you were taking these religious training or this religious training?
2: I liked I liked the courses. I remember yeah. I remember. Uh, it was all interpreting, interpreting Talmudic texts. Yeah. So it was mainly a literature course, you know? Right, right. But then doing that, I realized fairly quickly that I'm also, well, it was funny. And that's that's half, <laughs> I mean, half the rabbis. It's pretty More much. are funny. Yeah, pretty much jokes.
1: Oh, that's great.
2: That's like a half a sermon, you know? Like a, right, fill, right. Fill it with. I mean, yeah. my ra- my rabbis that I've like that I knew were not that funny, but tried right. tried very hard. You know, almost like failed comedians. I've uh, interpreted the Talmud really well. <laughs> Good with sound
1: effects. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Save big money on your next project with help from Menards. Move water where you need it quickly with a Barracuda sump pump. Sump pumps keep your basement dry when big storms hit unexpectedly. Get a half-horsepower cast iron Barracuda sump pump on sale now through May 5th. Hurry into Menards and don't forget to check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards.
1: Can't you tell my loves so you went to college to study just stuff, you think?
2: Yeah, when I was in college, I got interested in, in I majored in history and I did American history and then went to graduate school for uh, Holocaust studies. Jesus, wow. again, with the, uh, with the Jewish angle. Um, right. I, I can't get out of my own way. Um, <laughs> so that also added, and then I think that's that's when I had enough. Well, they had enough of me too. I sort of dropped out of graduate school. I went to northwestern yeah in in Chicago, and I really did not cut it there. yeah, uh, graduate school was difficult i mean yeah, but uh, many talented historians in my group ex- and I was literally a a bold exception yeah, and that uh helped me move
1: into comedy as well it was a very funny situation yeah i took a, a couple of courses in college like a couple of sociology courses that were a few steps ahead of what i could handle and i was like oh no this was a terrible mistake like, <laughs> these people are real sociologists and yeah they can read and retain this stuff and aren't bored by it Ugh, yeah.
2: i'm yeah. in trouble yeah, yeah. i i've i flamed out quickly there and then what but then I was very popular for being that person, and that that was that was that in was, Evanston or
1: or just everywhere.
2: No, you know, in my graduate program, people were like, "What? Like it was? I was."
1: <laughs> what they the would, fuck they, are you doing here? Yeah,
2: they would laugh yeah. when they when they saw me. <laughs> like you are really you're not. You're not supposed to be here. <laughs> I know.
1: it's a good bit you gotta
2: admit yeah we're gonna invite you over you gotta meet these they're gonna love that you're this terrible (laughs) so was it just back home and
1: not knowing what to do
2: well then I started doing I didn't uh, I started doing comedy I moved to Boston Uh, my friend Sam Cedar, who you know Uh was doing stand up he had dropped out of law school so we both kind of dropped out of programs around the same time Mm -hmm. and he was trying to be a stand-up comedian and i went and we moved in together uh so i wasn't doing any comedy but he was uh so i'd go see him a lot
1: and that's how i started and did you start doing stuff with him or did you start doing solo stuff well he (laughs) he really struggled
2: uh at that time he was doing open mic spots uh Mainly at like Catch a Rising Star, which was in Harvard Square, and you know the 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 manager of that club did not particularly like
1: him. <laughs> that always helps.
2: And he did sort of struggle uh, coming up. He was um, uh, he had some jokes, but he also did a lot of meta stuff, and yeah, he,
1: he wasn't having a lot of success because it was probably in the wrong place. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: also the Booker would like slot him like at like one ten in the morning. They'd be oh. like literally. be I'd come with him and sit at the bar and uh, wait for his slot, and he'd finally get on. And they were cleaning up the tables. Like he'd perform, Ugh. he'd perform to nobody.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you were so inspired, you're like, <laughs> "Let me add it." Well, we did.
2: I don't. I don't remember how we devised it, but I was. I think together we i was like kind of like you you got to do something different or it it could have been him i don't remember right uh like
1: you you think you gave him notes
2: no i i think we just were like what what would work um yeah and we kind of deconstructed his act and that's how i got involved that was the first time i performed so we re we we reformed his act into a comedy duo called Sam and every show was a reunion show <laughs> uh, because you know there's a backstory you know these guys right. and we, we kind of got introduced you know we would tell the the host to introduce us as like these guys were a big deal and they broke up and, and this is a big and then we'd go on stage and Sam would do his act which was that you know had also nev- you know always faltered uh, and I would s- bring a chair up and sit in the back and make a laugh whenever he told his joke on every punchline <laughs> and then halfway through i would get up and throw a fit like this is the same bullshit as we you know before when we were I, don't, together, yeah, I don't yeah i don't want to do this i sit back there and I, I i laugh at your dumb jokes and and he we started a big huge argument uh which would last for like three minutes and then i'd storm off and that became
1: a duo act that we would do frequently. <laughs> and it started to go over people. I mean, because it is yeah. still conceptual. And yeah. I imagine you were still doing 1 o'clock in the morning.
2: Uh, yeah, but it, it it caught on. That bit, yeah. you know, that was actually in, in an era where, you know, you could have one bit, you know, yeah. and, and you just keep doing it. Or in the world of stand-up, you would have three to five minutes or yeah. something, right? Uh, then you could open anywhere, all across the country, and if you right. develop that into fifteen, uh, then you would middle, and then or you know forty five, and you'd uh, you'd cl- you'd be the headliner. Uh, so we kind of became an opener that we would be able to do that bit.
1: Oh, and, cool. Yeah, yeah, and I imagine it's good to hire like if if you're a stand up, you know, that's like a middle guy who's doing you know closing on a regular night locally. It's like, yeah, this is like a little theatrical piece. This will, you know, fill out the evening nicely. You know what I mean? Rather than just another person standing on stage.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there were enough clubs where you could sort of tour around and do that one bit we had.
1: Yeah.
2: And then a sketch troupe uh, noticed us and, like, brought us in. So we joined that. Wow. And then that's how I sort of became more, you know, write and perform stuff more.
1: And did it... Had it been something that you have been wanting to do, or did it kind of creep up on you?
2: It just creeped up on me. I mean, mainly it was osmosis. It was like Sam was doing it. I think he needed something to (laughs) figure out how to make his stand-up career work, and this uh, enhanced it. So yeah and then that led to a bunch of a string of different comedy, well, not a string, but two different comedy troupes and which ended up being David Cross's troupe cross comedy that we joined, and that had a you know that had somewhat of a following already in right. Boston,
1: so that was a big that was a big and there's yeah. other people I mean, aside from David Cross, there were like other people who have gone on to keep working in comedy yeah, yeah the other
2: yeah. but a lot of the members of cross comedy went on to. Continue to do it and are right. successful in comedy now, except for Sam. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sam went political. He did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's still was that prof- was that weird for you when he started? Just as a side note, was that weird for you when he started being so? Because he still is entertaining as a as a political commentary yeah. and he and he, you know, and it's and he's funny a lot of the time. But yeah. was it weird when he kind of?
2: No, not at all. I mean, I knew him, I knew him. He always had uh, one foot in comedy, even in college. I, I had we went to college together, so that I, I did meet him in college, and I also he's from my hometown, so I knew him prior. Uh, yeah, we weren't friendly before college, but we got very friendly in college, and he was always uh, very political, ran for student office every year, oh, and, wow. and at the same time was very interested in performing comedy. He brought me into his radio show. He had a, you know, on the college radio show. So we, look, I was always kind of drawn. (laughs) He was always like kind of bringing me along. Yeah. So I was sort of side. For
1: people who don't know, Sam Cedar uh, is now pretty much just does does a daily
2: uh, political commentary. He has a
1: daily political podcast. He used to be on that. I can't remember the name. There was like a liberal radio network for a minute that he was on daily. Air America. Air America, yeah. Yeah. But he's really good. He's at it. great. He's great. Yeah. I always remember I always remember too because at the time that I started Because you guys then moved to New York, right? Did you both move to New York at the same time or not at the same time. I think I had gotten Dr. Katz, so i stay, yeah. I
2: stayed in Cambridge for about a year, year and a half before I moved. Right. And then he had moved on and, and continued to try and do stand up I think in San Francisco with like Mark Marin and Right uh so we lost touch for a few years and then
1: and then i moved to new york because in the early conan years it got to be and as it always does with somebody in his position it got to a point where it's like conan's gonna start producing shows like he's gonna be a tv producer and one of the first things they ever did was you and sam (laughs) in beat cops and i'm and i because i knew you guys at the time and i knew when you were shooting it and yep. I, you know, I saw, I saw it in the, in the office one day, but then it would just, what I always remembered about it was that, you know, then the late night show plays out the tonight show, we moved to TPS and on the TBS stage, like there was like parts of the stage where we never moved in. I mean, for like 11 years, there was a pile of boxes <laughs> in a corner that were never moved. And one of them, there was a pile of old videotapes on a stairwell on the way down to the stage, like that never moved for 11 years. And on the top of that open box was beat cops, (laughs) like just sitting there staring at me. So like every day I got to walk by and remember, (laughs) remember the pilot of you guys being beat cops. If I remember correctly, the premise was, nothing ever really happens. (laughs) kind of wasn't it like Uh, a little i think yeah they never really did any interesting crimes no they i think dealt with yeah this
2: sam made a version on his own he was he was kind of ahead of his time really he was started to make his own projects when it was cheap to shoot video and i think he would self-fund and there was like a self-made pilot of of that, and were you in both of
1: them, or were you? Yeah. In-
2: so Sam made it, you know, much like an indie film. Like he made a, he's, sure. he made his own pilot. I remember it being funny, but I just, it's also. Yeah, I don't remember the second one so much. The first one, the premise was there were two cops who were uh, desk jockey cops, like never, yeah. never went out. And then the mayor of New York uh, wanted to put more cops on the street. You know, a, a tough on crime mayor. And they sent these two guys out there, and so we were just fumbling idiots walking around, Yeah, yeah. being like, "We don't, I don't, we don't
1: like this." It's too it writes itself. Yeah, it writes itself. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm not talking about Sam Cedar anymore. Enough. It's um, enough. Yeah, I, I agree. Let him come on. All right, <laughs> man, and I, you know what? I guess I'll probably have him on now. You could have him on, yeah. Yeah, because who? How dare he try and invade this interview?
2: Well. Oh, Get I, him but you know i absolutely would not be in comedy if it wasn't for him
1: and oh that's nice yeah that's it, yeah. i think it's cool that you you did something with somebody like i if i had tried stand-up from the beginning i wouldn't be doing comedy because it's just it's too fucking lonely i i just i don't like doing comedy by myself very much
2: right i never did either and that yeah. that uh familiarity with the performing with somebody else that was definitive for me like, Right. you know then that came from Sam uh from us performing together and then I went I started a
1: long string
2: of duos as,
1: yeah yeah now i want this actually brings me to something that i was i cuz i wanted to talk to you about this because um you know i got to know you, you used to do a bunch of you did a bunch of bits on the on the Conan show with mm-hmm. us yeah but i think i knew you before that i just knew you from churning in the same froth you know at that time in new york and meeting different comedy people and you knew people that worked on the show even from back in boston days Mm -hmm. so we just got to know each other and i you know liked you from the minute i met you and we became (laughs) friends and as like after i left conan there were like different opportunities where i had you know like i actually had a chance to like cast people in things like recommend people are in things
0: right and
1: i used to recommend you all the time and you would never leave your apartment (laughs) you would i would be in la true and i well it was i mean it was somewhat true and it was kind of in a way (laughs) enviable like i was i kind of found it fantastic but i know there was at least one if not two times that i was in la and was like hey come they want they're interested in this and you were like uh, I'll, t- I'll put myself on tape in my apartment for it. <laughs> yes. And then at that same time, you told me a story once. Had I had a really,
2: I, I had a nice apartment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I know. But also it's like, if you're happy at home and whatever, you know, I don't know if it was like just you were. Well, it wasn't like just,
2: agoraphobic. I would go out. I'd,
1: no, I know that. But, but I, would sh-
2: I would shun a lot of work. I think even at one point, I, Conan and Jeff Ross still tell the story how I just decided to refuse to do any more parts on the show.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that was like an easy 800 bucks. And they like, were like you know, befuddled. And I'm like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm never doing it again. But I think it was more just I remember people laughing about that like ha ha ha. Oh, yeah. what a funny guy. He's a, what a funny joke. But like, no, no, he's not joking. Yeah, much that wasn't. Well, I probably was and I just
2: stuck with it. <laughs> 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 just because I knew it agitated were
1: You were like that. I mean, because you're not like, like if you were an egomaniac asshole, right. like if you were like, thought that you, you know, were, you know, incapable of making a bad smell <laughs> and that you were just like the greatest thing to grace performing ever, it would be one thing. But you're like a lovely, nice person who just was like, nah. <laughs> To, to all these different things that people were like, "Hey, man, you're great. I love being working with you. Come work with me nah. I mean, there were so many of
2: those. I'd like but that what do you that, think it was? I don't know i, I mean I think it a, a lot it, it was probably a combination of things. I liked the I liked doing that for some reason. I think it bothered <laughs> people.
1: <laughs> so it's just a bit to amuse
2: yourself. A little, uh, that's one aspect definitely I, okay. that amused me I, I did it wasn't like i wanted to create a reputation of being you know uh difficult to No,
1: i and i i kind of in, inherently knew that like i intuitively yeah. knew that and i also never was like angry at you about it or like you know like what the fuck man i thought that's fucking hilarious and you're not you know i didn't judge you for it yeah
2: thank you the only the uh, the only other thing that might that might have been a part of it and was not uncommon at that time was a lot of comedians were eschewing is that the way yeah the way? that's perfect. uh you know sitcom work or work in right. hollywood because it was uh you know considered beneath uh right as an artistic form you know like you had, you're, it was a a day job kind of thing. Right. And you don't want to be pigeonholed. Right, right. It was the, cheap. It was Yeah. And there was a little and bit. And transactional. Yeah. So there was yeah. a little bit of uh, maybe an anti-authoritarian bent to that. Sure. Which, um, which was not uncommon. I, and I, yeah. I definitely had it. You weren't the only one. Wasn't yeah. the only one. Yeah. Like, we were surprised when David Cross left Cross Comedy to write for the Ben Stiller Show, which was a great opportunity. Yeah. I think there was even judgment there, which had made no sense at that I know. Time. Right. It's like you're working you're working with extremely talented people like Ben Stiller and yeah, Bob Odenkirk yeah, and, yeah. and all these great and Janine Gruff, all these people who were on that show and they are like, Oh, let's go David Cross sold out. People were would say that It's crazy. And now I've I've you know, over, <laughs> over the years I've I i can not believe that I'm able to do this still. Yeah. Still, yeah. based on the, that past attitude, yeah, and I've weathered through it somehow. And now of course, I you know, I earnestly love what I do. Yeah, the nature of how I did enter, I did I, I was it was not aspirational to me to be in show business or even to be like a stand up comic or even to yeah. be a uh, on if you're a sketch performer, I guess at that time. Uh, Saturday Night Live, right? Like, get get a spot on Saturday Night Live. I was never aspirational about that because I kind of entered into, uh, that whole thing kind of as a visitor. I always considered myself, well, Sam wanted to do that. I sort of glommed on to his, uh, to his dreams and aspirations. And I was sort of, it didn't really matter much to me then. So I did have to catch up.
1: Was there an aspect that you didn't deserve to do things alone? I mean, I'm just curious, like, is that part of it, you know? Since you, if you say that you were sort of like alone as a, as a passenger, like yeah. when do you start feeling like you were the driving the vehicle? Um, well, I kept getting asked to do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think people
2: would seek me out.
1: Yeah. Cause you're good.
2: Well, I did have a, I had a facility for it. Um, yeah. and I think part of that facility came from being kind of a, you know, like eternally uh, skeptic a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And that was helpful. And that, yeah. Sort of, that, you know as much as the joke of not taking work it uh, was like kind of it, it it did help me you know so sort yeah. of yeah uh kind of grounded it i didn't get uh i didn't jump in too fast into things yeah um and then i was able to kind of like m- meet my career a little later right. down the line
1: it was i guess of some version of uh, learning on the job <laughs> you also too uh Always seemed to have fun doing it. That was the other thing that I always liked. Like, even as you were, like, being, like, sort of like being kind of an asshole about show business, you know, and like show business going, hey, John, come work for us. And you're going, like I said, eh. Like, that's, there's something so funny about that. And you loved doing it. You were like, I did. And I, I, I,
2: Conan was very formative for me for doing that show. Yeah. Because I remember I never wanted to do the lines that were written. You know, I always, like, try and... Or I always wanted to, like, add that I don't like Max Weinberg or something. Or any (laughs) chance... (laughs) my <laughs> oh, god and i think yeah. it would it would amuse and you were in
1: the you were in the right place to be in that kind of, like because conan if you like conan fucking loves that when somebody i mean if, you yeah. know if you can he doesn't want every extra like change in the lines but like right. if you're funny and you're, if it works. and you're and you want to be a pill about something you're in the right place you know yeah. yes and
2: that that i think was helpful too and that was all that also came from like the idea of Let's say it's not a disrespect of the, what the, no, the, the process I get was, it. but it did become kind of like material to my particular process of how absolutely, it, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But also, I did think that you, you, I, I definitely auditioned for a sitcom. You did. I think you got me an audition, for like where I, you know, I auditioned for you and the producers. I didn't get oh, the did part, you? so I did leave my apartment for you
1: once and you've actually we've actually hung out you like le- had left just for personal things not even when there was money involved <laughs> right you mean like go to dinner with you yeah like going to dinner or, you know or yes, I did playing golf or you know yeah uh staking out a
3: crack house you know when <laughs> we were cops
0: Can't you tell my loves
1: are growing? I don't know if you remember this story, but I will always remember this story about a time when you were in L.A. doing meetings and the the time when you suggested the seduction of Joe Tynan. <laughs> oh, yes, I think do I you Do you remember do. that? Vaguely remember that. I remember... You were here and you were promoting, I think it was something about like, you had an old man neighbor who had a lobster claw hand or something like that? Wait, uh, that... Or there was something, w- and or it was, I think the real idea was you and an old man that played squash together.
2: Yes, I wrote that script. That was the first yeah. thing. I, that was actually the first thing I did on my own. Yeah, probably.
1: But people were asking you about other things, and you were in a meeting. I don't recall all of it. You told me that you, you went to this meeting... And that you're waiting outside, and it's just some development person. I do re- and, vag-
2: vaguely remember this. Yes,
1: and the guy in the front office. You're sitting there waiting, waiting, and you see uh, on the <laughs> shelf like something a DVD, the, a, a DVD of the Seduction of Joe Tynan, which is a yes Alan Alda, Alda. Uh, law drama. Yes, and uh, or politics. I don't remember what. Yeah, I think and it you was said crazy. you said to the guy like, "Hey, what is that?" And he said, oh, she's nuts about that movie. <laughs> and then you went in and you pitched other things. Mm-hmm. And this person went like, so tell me what else you've got. And you said, well, you don't want to hear it. So this person says, no, no, tell me what your, what your dream project is, what you want to do. And you're like, well, you probably won't even know what I'm talking about. But there was an Alan Alda movie <laughs> called The Seduction of Joe Tynan. And it has been my dream to make a television show based on it. Yes. And this person went fucking bananas. I know. Like, got I, super excited and was like, we're going to make this happen. And you were just totally
2: around. Yes.
1: <laughs> oh, so low-key
2: hostile, but so fantastic. Never got made, though. <laughs> they never made it. Right. You throw things at the wall, you see what sticks. Pitched her her dream project. She had no, no authority to make it. <laughs> I would have been uh, in the remake of... Or the TV a, version of the... Seduction of seduction Joe of I know there was okay. another story that I pitched, I uh, I believe MASH, I must have been on an Alan Alda kick because I know <laughs> in a general meeting, right. I pitched MASH 2000. I remember I, I did that. And the person was completely befuddled because she was like, well, there's no Korean War <laughs> and, <laughs> anymore. What does that matter? And I was like, well, they some stayed. In the mass unit, <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: intense. And All Alda these years, would,
2: and Alan Alda is, would be in it and call from Maine, you know where he lived from.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I don't get it. I don't get it. Oh. Yeah, that
2: that that was a, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. I totally forgot that that was the movie, The Seduction. Yeah, of The
1: Seduction of Joe Tynan. Yes, album, I, mean, I, don't I re- get it. Yeah. Well. You know, I got to wind this up eventually. I don't want to keep you all day, but um, I do want to ask you because when I was looking at the research that was done for this, like, like just how long Bob's Burgers and and, yeah. and uh, Archer have been on, and like what a what a slog. No, not a, what a slog. Like what a you know what a great life that yeah. must be. Like to be able to be part of two <laughs> hilarious hits. That you can be proud of, you know, and and like it must be really easy too because it's just your voice. So, yeah, it, you know, it, it, you don't it, have it, a lot of extra bullshit to deal with. Yeah.
2: And these shows now are so far advanced or in, in the way they're produced and right. from what I used to do. I mean, I've done, you know, even with Lauren Bouchard, three or four animated shows, and those were a lot more. Harder to do. It was such a smaller, leaner group of people. There was less writers. Uh, lots of improvisation. A lot of a lot more work for me than there yeah. than there is now. Than there is now. And now it is really just like a comfortable job. Both of them and the shows really just sort of operate so efficiently. Yeah, it's really good, and they're ongoing.
1: Yeah, and I still enjoy doing
0: them both.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. The the Bobs Burgers people, I don't know the Archer people. I mean I you know, a couple of people that work on it, but the Bobs Burgers people are just it's one of the like I'm just so envious because of what a wonderful workplace it is. And having it is. It had an opportunity to record a couple of parts or the same part a couple of times, it's the best recording sessions I've ever worked at. Oh, that's hands down. Yeah. Hands down. And just I don't know. It's just it's such a great show. It's got so much and I, you know, fuck this word, but heart, you know, it's like That's true. I I'm always feel like I care more about the Simpsons and uh you, you know, Bob's family than real people on TV, like <laughs> the actual human actors on TV. Like I care more about Bob and his family than Yeah. I don't know. Anybody on on any, you know, network drama or whatever what, what do you watch just uh i just watch uh miami vice the same episode over and over and over <laughs> yes but you it's the people it's learn the one, to love them it's sunny it's the and, one where there's a crook that's uh that's in a in an car race and the last 10 minutes of the show is just car footage <laughs> and then it, <laughs> right. it leaves the well, it leaves it leaves the track and drives around the street and they have a high speed chase. Crockett and Tubbs chase down an Indy car on the streets of Miami. I, I mean that's funny you bring that
2: up because if you go back and watch like dramas or shows from the 70s and 80s there were like clearly like 12 to 15 minutes of filler. Oh, like they did not have they slow. did not
1: have the script. Uh, Unbelievably slow. I remember
2: that from... I recently just happened to come uh, across a Columbo. And they... For some reason, he was at a table uh, uh, questioning uh, this couple. And he was like, Would you excuse me for a minute? And he walks over and paces back and forth, like thinking and mumbling, for like like two and a half minutes. The camera stayed on him, uncut, one shot, and then back to the table. I was like, you can't... You can't do that.
1: No, you can't. You're just watching
2: Columbo pace for two and I half know, minutes. I know, I know. For two and a half minutes, what happened? Maybe
1: we like we had well, more time. We didn't in have those the days. pages. Just go pace. <laughs> it could just spread a little. Do you ever want to get your face out there more? I mean, I know you you do different sort of. You know, you were doing some jazz there for a while, and uh, <laughs> and did some shows with that. But I mean, does does being such a known voiceover person and 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 having so much of what's out there of you now being voiceover, do you get like where you want to get in front of a camera at all? I, I've, I yeah, a little bit. Uh, it,
2: it it's getting harder and harder to probably catch up to that as well. I've had probably a lot of opportunities to do sitcoms back in the day, and I never did yeah. them. And again, it's very comfortable to do the shows I'm doing now. But I'm always like I've you know always. I don't audition very much for live action stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe the pandemic hit and um, I certainly didn't uh, do anything during that time. So right. it's just like I'm probably resolved to that. There's less and less opportunity for, you know, uh, someone like eh. me, me at this eh. point. You never know. But if the, uh, if a, on, honestly, if like a project that I was in, interested came along, I would, I would probably turn it down. That's gonna no no that's, that's gonna no. be on deadline. deadline no, I deadline. I would I would yeah. do
1: it. I would do that. Um, you did, know, I, did the pandemic make you want like make you antsy? Did it make you kind of yeah? You know, like did the pandemic make you be like you know what? I really do want to go out and get other jobs. No, because I'm it, sick of being was, home. Oh, more, the
2: opposite. It was more the opposite. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I, and, uh yeah, I became very isolated and and, right, right. and kind of enjoyed it. Right.
1: Which uh, my psychiatrist is worried about. Well, I didn't want to say anything, and I know people can't see this because this is all audio, but your fingernails are like eight inches long and yellowed. They're like... <laughs> I know. And you're, it looks like you haven't cut your hair, your beard in, in months. No, but I I've, I've, I've frequently speak to my DoorDash
2: uh, dasher, <laughs> DoorDash therapist, uh, my DoorDasher. When, <laughs> man, I, even though the smell is overwhelming through the crack of the door, he he or she, you know, yeah. very have been very nice. Yeah, it's,
1: it's just out of concern, out of just human concern for this
2: poor thing. Yeah, and then an occasional uh, an NYPD officer will come and do
1: a house check. <laughs> People think there's a hundred dead cats in there oh no no it's just me so uh what's what are you looking forward to i mean you know any big plans
2: in your future well from that i feel like oh my god that's yeah i feel like i'm on my way toward that so <laughs> i'm looking forward to all right a, a life of complete i have honestly like uh it's been a pretty heady year i uh my kid went off to college. I,
1: oh my goodness! Oh, uh, that, I knew that, that that
2: that came at the end of the pandemic, and that's yeah. Even, that's it's uh, so there's a weird. That's a weird time. Uh, the like like you said, this career sort of my career is continuing. He's, he's close though, isn't
1: he? Isn't he on the East Coast?
2: Yeah, he's upstate. He's like yeah. uh, maybe like four hours from here. Yeah, yeah. But, but he doesn't come around much anymore. Why would he? <laughs> no. Uh, I know he was around for the summer, um, uh, off and on. So, uh, like, uh, like kind of adjusting to all the, that. That's a big change. You have kids of that yeah. age. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I had one kid, and uh, so I don't know if it's like more or less intense. But the, I didn't think that loss would be as affecting as it was. Like, like when you stop. Right it's a loss it's like a i don't i don't have this person to take care of anymore
1: i think it's i think it is like it is different with more kids because it's not every it's the last one and if you only got one they're the first and the last one yeah because it is a difference if there's still like oh one of them went away but there's still a kid here right cuz you have a kid who's
2: off to college or something and yeah. then, and, and he's dog. still
1: local he's st- you know he lives in LA but I, you know, I'll go a week and a half without seeing him because he's twenty one and he's got a life, you know, and 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 I also get like, what do I have to? I mean, aside from love and fatherliness and whatever, but it's like, what do I really have to offer a twenty one year old kid that's in that's like in art school? Right, like you know, come hang out with me and watch a Dodger game, (laughs) and eat you know eat the Japanese curry I made. I mean, he might I might
2: bring him for the curry, but the it's true. My son is like unapologetically like I don't want to hang out. Like I don't have any interest in in what you care about. One one basketball game, come on, but right, you can sit. No, no, yeah, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang out with my friends.
1: Yeah, and I and in one sense, I wouldn't want it any other way. But I am kind of been feeling like with my son, because my daughter's a junior in high school. But with my son, definitely feeling like, oh, so that's it, huh? You're just gonna yeah, you just take off, grow up and go live a life like an adult, huh? Okay.
2: Yeah, I do think there's like not not even a joke. There's a tinge of resentment that people feel in that yeah. moment. Yeah, like you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Just when I was getting just when I was getting comfortable with this. I hung out with you when you were like seven to fifteen. Right. Like, and you were not great to hang out with.
1: <laughs> yeah, like when you were three, you were fucking boring. Yeah. Boring. If
2: show, yeah. If you show me another TikTok video that I could care less about, I have to pretend <laughs> that I enjoyed it. I, I did a, to, I did that for years. Me,
1: my son used to sit and make me watch him go through his Roblox uh <laughs> like you know like or what's minecraft right. he'd like build it like a a world in minecraft and be like come look at my minecraft and be like here's my garden and then here's where the sheep graze and you know a minute of that is okay but we're going on like minute 8 or 9 and I'm like honey <laughs> come although, on
2: although the flip side of that is i think there were like long Periods of time where I would watch him play the game Fortnite, and I think I I just it. I enjoyed it. I'd sit in a chair and I'd pour myself a beer and watch (laughs) it. Watch it. Watch a a fourteen-year-old play a game for an hour. Like I felt like that. I'm connecting to. Uh, you know, myself when I was nine at the pizza parlor watching some kid play defense. But you
1: don't have the stress and you can watch someone who's like, because I used to watch my son play Mario Kart because he was really good. Yeah. And then he would play against people like on the internet and just crush them. And it was like, it was like watching my son at a football game or something. Right, you know, like look at my boy, <laughs> kicking ass all over the world. But there's no Fuck one, that French no guy. One,
2: no one there. No one in the stands. It's just you alone. No, no. Look it's at just my, me. Boy. Oh, my boy. Ah, my boy.
1: You can really, really make Princess Peach kick ass. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, the uh, final question here. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the what have you learned? It's the philosophical stuff. Oh, I didn't know that was coming up. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have I, I told your publicist, but and she said, like, do not let him know that. <laughs> I do he not. He does
2: not like that to was, self-examine. That was not my publicist. I don't have one, so whoever you spoke to was <laughs> oh, <she is>. pretending <laughs> to be.
1: Wow. Yeah. it was. I thought it was weird that she knocked on my front door, too. <laughs> not usually the way publicists get to me. No, I do send a fake publicist to people's homes. But...
2: <laughs> well, I guess uh, in... in uh, I don't know, like, uh, in, I guess, touching on what we've talked about in the last, whatever, you know, in my life, I feel like I've been, uh, you know, I've learned to be a more patient person over, uh, and I've learned to appreciate, uh, what I have a lot more. Um, and that took me a long time. I think I was definitely, <laughs> I was always, uh, uncomfortable with, with, with that kind of with that so i don't know if that's a general philosophy but
1: uh well it. Is, i mean i guess i would just I, I i wonder a little further like what you would say to an impatient person like what the benefits of patience are like if you know because i mean there's the there's like okay yeah it's you know you're not as stressed out but i mean is it is it bigger than that
2: Well, I mean, I think like mainly everybody would probably be, especially like in the in 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 what we do, right? Like there there is a sort of general. There's a constant stress about whether or not to succeed, or you know, it's it's very uh, uh, binary, right? Yeah. There's a big maybe more. Winner or loser. Yeah, succeed or fail, and uh, I think there's like less concentration on the middle ground of that. And yeah, uh, there might, there might be failure uh, obviously involved if we take show business as a, as an example. Yeah. Uh, you know, I did spend a lot of years sort of like, uh, not paying attention to that. And I think that did, that helped me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wasn't, um, so focused on just the success and now kind of have, been more settled in appreciating the moments, more, yeah, more, more. But I am somewhat successful, so it comes, <laughs> it comes from from right. the wrong from the wrong person. Right, right. <laughs> It's hard to to be the messenger yeah uh, you can't be you're not interviewing the guy who's like well i spent a whole life basically failing at what i did
1: (laughs) (laughs) and i really i've really learned to appreciate that yeah 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 no i get it but it's you know it's still it's it's you know (laughs) what are you gonna do you know i mean it's still nice to tell people like even with you know, because I mean, your life has had ups and downs, and sure, it's easy for sure for a successful person to go like, just be patient. But even I think even if you you know, I mean, I can speak for myself because I've been more su- I've been more successful and less successful, yeah. and I still at the end, even if like everything goes to shit, I still would say be patient, you know, because. Yeah. It, it's not going to change anything other than making your experience less awful. You know.
2: Right. Yeah. I think that in particular with uh whether they be small failures or larger failures, uh those take their toll on on anybody and it is a, it's a tough it's not easy to just tell someone to be patient about that. But I do think that would be the general philosophy that I've learned over time. Like it's like, let that sit. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much.
1: It's been, I mean, this has been one of those ones truly that like, I was just, I'm not even, I don't care about a podcast. I just got to talk to you (laughs) for an hour because, uh, I I, was
2: like, when I saw you, and I don't get to see you enough anymore, uh, which is too bad. And yeah, so I remember telling Amy that after we left, I was like, "It's like always so nice to
1: see Andy." I well, I love you so much, and and I love spending time with you. So we'll just have to fix that. The, but it's like I I texted you this morning. I never get I you know, I don't hang out with. <laughs> It's I know not, It's so sad. It's like it's, it's just so sad. old and crotchety. and <laughs> I mean, I have people in my life, but it's like the same four or five people over and over and over. And yeah, then the notion here. of like, why not go out and make some new friends? It's like, oh, my God. Oh, I know. I, when yeah. am I going to nap <laughs> if I'm out making friends? Ugh.
2: I mean, we talked a lot about Sam. He lives across the street. I see him, you know, he just like comes over like like he's like lives here Uh (laughs) you know like does uh, he have a key he doesn't have a key yet i mean we haven't taken that step but yeah yeah but everybody else i know like they're everyone's gone yeah i I did i do feel like i'm not 90 did everyone die (laughs) (laughs) this is what i feel like i just live alone now and i'm the last one yeah Uh, my friend Leo Allen, you know him. Right. Sure. He's moving out to LA. He's, oh is he? So I, I'm I'm right with you. I've seen All right. less less and less people.
1: And um, so yeah. We well, should like we should move into the same apartment building. Absolutely. I'm i I'm thinking of starting an artist colony, you know, somewhere <laughs> like in South Dakota or somewhere. <laughs> right, right. Well John, John Benjamin. H. John Benjamin, if you will. Uh Thank you so much. I know people will be happy to hear this. I mean, I mean they'll they'll initially be happy, and then maybe it'll be tempered just by the reality of the conversation. That's true. Yeah. Um, but I was very, I'm very grateful that you you came on. If you made it this far, shut yes. it off. Uh, Forty five <laughs> minutes ago. Hang on. There's coupon codes at the end. <laughs> um, But, John, thank you for doing this. And thank all of you out there for listening. And uh, I'll be back next week with more of this same shit. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco production. It is produced by Sean Doherty and engineered by Rob Schulte. Additional engineering support by Eduardo Perez and Joanna Samuel. Executive produced by Joanna Solitaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Maddie Ogden. Research by Alyssa Grahl. Don't forget to rate and review and subscribe to the Three Questions with Andy Richter wherever you get your podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Can't you feel it? in It is showin'? Oh, you must be knowing. I've got a big, big
3: love. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.